Hi guys, welcome to In Our Community podcast, where we interview common people doing extraordinary things in their communities. I'm your host Hidi from Resurrection Movement Studio. On episode seven of this podcast, I sat down with Becky Betts from Geisinger Physical Therapy to talk about why she became a physical therapist, how and why collaboration between our professions are so important, words of encouragement, and we geeked out a little bit on movement and anatomy. This was a really fun podcast to record. The 30 minutes went by really fast, and we talked about a whole bunch of things. And I hope that as listeners of this show, uh, that it's very informational and that your way of thinking about training and looking at training and therapy in general just changes a little bit as a result of listening to this podcast. Let's get started. Today, I'm sitting across from Becky Betts, a physical therapist in Danville, Pennsylvania. Hi, Becky. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, so before we get started, let's have you introduce yourself and talk about what you do. So as you said, my name is Becky Betts. I'm a physical therapist with Geisinger Health South. Um, the clinic I'm at is the one on Woodbine Lane. Um, I'm kind of in collaboration with Geisinger Orthopedics and any provider that wants to refer to therapy. Uh, but we do tend to work closely with the orthopedic department. Very good. And can you talk to us about how you got there? What got you interested in this field? Sure. Um, actually, when I was in high school, my sophomore year, uh, playing soccer, I had had my first knee injury, tearing an ACL, having to have surgery, and then going through the recovery for that. Uh, I think at that point in my life, I knew that I wanted to be in healthcare, just mm -hmm. didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and going through that rehab kind of finally brought me to saying, hey, I think this is something that I'd actually be interested in doing. Mm -hmm. um, and really from that point forward, I always knew and was kind of goal-oriented to becoming a, a physical therapist because of that. Mm. Um, and then it got even more solidified than my senior year, I tore my other knee. Oh my gosh. Skiing. So again, really had a lot of experience with it and just kind of knew that yeah. was my direction. ACL tear is like uh, one of the scary things. Like we've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. It's so common in mm -hmm. female athletes in general, mm -hmm. uh, just because of the female anatomy, how it's designed with the greater Q angle. And especially, I think, combine that with our sedentary lifestyle that people live through nowadays. It's just like you probably see a lot of that in your facility. Right. You know, and my injuries were 20, 25 plus years ago. Mm. There might not have been as much known out there on the injury itself. You know, majority of injuries up to two thirds are non-contact. Yeah. They're not the football right. player getting hurt on the line and having a collision or whatever sport that might be. Um, and there are, there's lots of things out there that can contribute, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially in female athletes, right. um, you know, between muscle imbalances, the change in our bodies as yeah. we go through puberty, you know, all those things that happen. And then right. if you do couple sedentary lifestyle on top of it, mm -hmm. um, and then furthermore, we're also learning that there's also just some underlying impaired motor control, just the person not yeah. being able to control what their body is doing or how to react in certain positions to protect themselves to kind of get out of it mm -hmm. but subconsciously mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to think about it your body should just know how to get out of a dangerous position right and so i um <laughs> i had a funny concern before we start this podcast that this was going to turn into a little geeky like anatomy like <laughs> injury talk because that's what we're both into uh and, and we'll tell the listeners about like how we collaborate and work uh, together yeah, and definitely. stuff like that later on but that's exactly what it's turning into and personally it's really exciting for me because this is the stuff like 
you know, I look at it as like I train the clients, mm-hmm. but we our approach to training is a little bit different in a sense that we assess based on movements and mm-hmm. we train them based on movement patterns. Mm-hmm. And so I love working with physical therapists because I think you guys are like phenomenal. Like you're so much smarter than us Mm -hmm. in regards to like how the body works and understanding of that. And we just have the ways to be able to help in that process. So Mm -hmm. like I the fact that we can work with you guys is fantastic. And I think it's been helpful, especially for the athletes who are just growing and, and like going through these phases that just like they, they had just have no control of their body and teaching them how to move and how it's designed to move is so important, even in general population. Um, but so let's go back to the ACL thing. Mm-hmm. How how often are you seeing ACL tears, ACL injuries, recovery process with the youth today? Uh, and we still see our fair share, you know, come beginning of fall preseason sports you know you get your plethora of them coming into the clinic um, you know where there's the tear and then they're going through the surgery and all that type of stuff Um, on average now most ACL reconstructions are coming back to sports about six months six months which is definitely a huge improvement you know back when I had my first one done you were out for a year no questions asked you know you were done Um, so things have definitely progressed Mm -hmm. you know and you know, the kind of going back to what you said just a few seconds ago, the, you know, the therapy, you know, our main job is to try to help restore somebody after an injury, uh, a surgery, you know, to gain the ability back, mm-hmm. um, do their functions, do their activities. And that could be turning on the faucet at the sink or that could be playing their sport. Um, and I think historically... In the early days, therapy, and I think the whole exercise community in general, we focused in on linear strength. We looked mm-hmm. at, what's this muscle do? Let's get it stronger. And if we get it stronger, everything will be better. Mm-hmm. And what we're learning more, and I, and you've touched on it, and that's where we've worked together too, is you can make improvements in just straight line strength. Mm-hmm. But then you can ask your patient or your client to do a certain activity, and they cannot control what their leg is doing. Mm-hmm. So they don't have that movement control. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where as therapists and then as the, the trainers or the coaches that I think that's where, you know, we are getting better. Yeah, I think so too. But I think the more of that these athletes or just doesn't have to be an athlete. It can be a yeah. person who just wants to be active, Absolutely. who wants to be a runner, who wants to do this or wants to do that. Um, the more that they can have eyes on them, mm-hmm. And making sure that they're doing it correctly mm-hmm. you know, so be better i think in medical world and in our fitness and strength world mm-hmm. it's been like it, every everything is evolving right mm-hmm. it started with like when i started out in this field it was like muscle groups you know you had the upper body day the buys and back day yeah. you know that kind of stuff and i always wonder like i i never really understood that process just within myself i just understood like body works together as one piece it's not separate you're not focusing on using certain muscles when you do something right. simple things you know from like picking up the laundry you're not just using your bicep or back muscles or whatever right um to even playing sports there's no certain movement that you do in a sport you're like oh yeah i'm using my quad right here you know like something else is also working to either stabilize or to mobilize um, and so it, I see the turn. I see the turning point in our both of our industries. And it's so neat to see it work together because I still get questions like when clients are training, you know, they're like, oh, what muscle is this working? And I'm like, you know, that's that's not that's not how that's the that's the way that I want you to start not thinking. I want you to start thinking in the sense of 
how am I moving? You know, like, am I moving well? If not, and you're feeling, experiencing pain, let's take a deeper look at it and see what we need to fix to make you feel better while you're doing this movement because this is a natural movement that your body's designed to do. And so our training approach, you know, as far as the training program goes, like we look at different movement patterns that our bodies are, you know, designed to do because if you are not able to do it as a client, then that's there's something going on there. And if it's something is continually triggering pain, that's when we refer out. Or when we hear like somebody say, oh, I'm just coming back from a surgery, doctor cleared me to exercise. One of the things I said, have you gone to PT? No, because well, I'm, I, want, I want you to get a medical opinion on that before we start working with you. Because the worst thing we could, could do is get them further injured, right? right. Like one of the, the cardinal rules, do no harm. Right. So we got to, that's, that's where I like love the fact that if there's a client that comes in with pain, or post-surgery and they got cleared by the doctor but haven't experienced any movement yet, I have somebody that I can call in you to say, hey, can you take a look at this client? Because I don't want to do that. I feel like this is out of my practice. And so I'd rather you see them first and then start working with them based on your recommendations. Yeah, and I think that's where it works out well, too, with the collaboration is mm -hmm. that you can't let egos get in the way by any means, and it should be a collaborative approach historically in the physical therapy world especially more in the past 10 years we've been fortunate in our setting that you know there's a lot of athletic trainers that are mm -hmm. integrated into the kind of the system and we have a lot of easy access for our athlete population mm -hmm. to try to collaborate and get more hands-on more eyes just what we're talking about but we've not always had that mm -hmm. for the person who's not an athlete who is a a non-student, an older person who just wants to be exercising or doing that or, you know, middle age or it doesn't matter, but they're just not in the high school athletic department. We've never really had that person out there that we can make that collaboration with. Mm. And I think that's where everything is evolving too. And you and I have tried to work to try to make that mm -hmm. happen, you know, because just because you're not a high school athlete with access to an athletic trainer doesn't mean you don't deserve somebody who can still watch what you're right. doing and Absolutely. make sure you're doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not doing it correctly, either know how to assess and fix it, or in our case, where we've collaborated and say, what do you think about this? Or what about that? And mm -hmm. you know, you've shown me some things thinking, wow, I didn't think about it that way. And I think it's been reciprocated a little bit too. Oh, absolutely, where yeah. Where we've worked together and been like, absolutely. oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so it helps me too, knowing that, you know, this patient that I'm working with, I'm only gonna go so far with them in the clinic. Right. You know, once they meet certain goals, a lot of times it's hard to justify doing more physical therapy. Mm -hmm. We have to think about is insurance going to pay for it? All those right. types of things, you know, and when they can go out into the community and whether it's the school and having an athletic trainer or a place like here or any type of training center, um, you know, if we know that there's people who can still work with them, it's almost like we have eyes in the back of our head mm -hmm. to make sure that, hey, this person is in good hands. They're going to make it. They've just got to keep working at it. And then someone can be there to remind them how to do it just a little bit better or right. watch their form and technique. Right. So. I mean, I always think in terms of like quality of life, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just for quality of life for athletes is being able to play their sport, but quality of life for general populations, being able to go through the day without any pain right. and being able to do the things that they enjoy doing. Right. And in a sense, like we play a role in that in a sense of if we can get them to move well and feel well, then they're able to achieve those things. And that's important in itself. Right. So it's personal wellness. Yeah. It's whatever you choose your 
quote wellness to be right if it's the athlete and getting back to soccer or football if it's the person who had a knee replacement and wants to be able to go for walks or get mm. back to spin class or, or whatever the case may be now is your caseload like 50 50 between athletes and the general population or i would say that's probably a close estimate uh, our clinic is orthopedic based mm -hmm. you know so i am i say fortunate that i get to focus in on more of the orthopedic side of things but physical therapy itself can um, encompass or cover a lot of different areas mm -hmm. you know we have a clinic that does neurologic based things too so mm -hmm. and you know like i've always had this thought like you know aside from the traumatic injuries so traumatic injuries is like you're playing football and somebody tackles you from the side and then you tear acl you can't prevent that like that things like that happen but aside from that a lot of times i feel like movement is the best prescription to somebody's pain uh, if we can get them to move well and get them to move correctly, sometimes the pain that they were feeling goes away. But that's where like the collaboration becomes so important because there might be certain things that I see I might not know how to fix. But I can maybe point it out to you and say like, I noticed this client doing this. How can I go about fixing it? And is this a problem? Because from my point of view, and I can usually explain to you, like, I, I see this and I don't, I think this, so for example, like a, uh, a female client that comes in and then they have a collapsed arch. And as a result, they have a valgus effect on the knee and their hip is just kind of like a little wonky on that side. So when I look at that, I say, okay, well, I think we need to fix the foot position thing first. Well, then how does that connect up the chain? Maybe her glutes are weak. So I do a further, further, you know, uh, assessment and I say, okay, like her, her left glutes seem to not turn out well. So these are the findings. So then I present it to you and I say like, so what can I do to improve this? Where can we start with this client? Is this something that I should take on and work with the client? Or is this something that I should just let you handle first and then down the road, um, you know, I'll work with her. I, th I had a client um, a couple of weeks ago text me and he said, Becky explained to me as you're a grad school and I'm at like the grade school level right now. Uh, and so meaning it, the client said that yes, about himself. Yeah, okay. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so that's why, like, it's so important because I never thought about it that way. But it's I think it's it, you're right in that sense. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's too where in general, and I know you're on top of it and we're working on it too, is beforehand, if someone came in with knee pain, we'd look at the knee and do all these things at the knee and they might get an MRI of the knee. Um, and we might look at certain things around the knee and be like, man, I, I really can't find anything wrong. Mm. And we really had to take this step back in our professions and kind of do this, what we consider a kinetic chain evaluation mm. and really look at the whole leg from the waist down or if it's the throwing athlete we really mm. had to look at not just the shoulder and the arm but we had to look at the trunk mm -hmm. we had to look at their flexibility of their legs and the strength of their legs and all of that because it is a whole body activity yes. and if you have impairment in one area you don't realize how that can ultimately affect the shoulder and that person comes right. in with shoulder pain so even when i see patients i really take a lot of i try to take a lot of time which sometimes is hard because you don't always right. have a lot of time, but trying to explain it all to them because you've got to get them to buy into it. You've got to get them to understand. I know you're coming here because your shoulder hurts, but I've really got to look at your legs and I'm finding this is tight or this is weak. And, you know, trying to explain to them how that works, it's way up and kind of the connections all the way up. Right. You know, it's like that grade school song, you know, your ankle bones connected to your leg bone, yeah. you know, and you just eventually work your <laughs> way true. the whole way up. You know, so it definitely, I think over the past 
I'd say five to 10 years, we've really started to change our approaches, mm-hmm. you know, and try to not just focus in on what is the muscle doing in one direction or what is the just the knee joint doing, but you've got to look at the whole kit and caboodle. Right, yeah. Right. You know? And that's like, that's so normal to us, I think, at this point to be able to say like, okay, I, I want to look at the whole picture. But I think as clients themselves, when they come in, they have a knee pain. They just focus on that one area. And when we say like, I want to look at these other areas, they're just a little confused. And I think it's so important for us to say like, body works as one piece. And that's why we try to stray away from that like body part training. So the idea of the body part training first came to surface in the training world because of the bodybuilding. Arnold kind of made it really famous. You know, he was doing the bides in the tri day and the chest in the back day. So then people started mimicking that. But as listeners, I want you to realize, especially as athletes, are the biggest dudes in the world the most athletic people? The answer is no. If that was the case, then the the guy who's winning the bodybuilding contest would be the best athlete in the world. But if you put him on the football field, he's probably slow as a slug and won't be able to perform at all. Right. So then when you're looking at athletes as a whole and when we look at human body and what we're designed to do, that's not the training approach that we should be taking. The training approach we should be taking is the the method that improves your movement pattern, a.k.a. the quality of your life. And that's what I've been trying to kind of like teach our clients because they come from that background of like, okay, buys and tries. And they don't really know like where that came from or that methodology came from, but it was mainstream mainstream for the longest period of time. Right. And so to try to combat that is a little bit difficult, but it helps when, uh, you know, when we work with people like you guys who are also taking that approach and getting the clients healthier and they see the result and they see the improvement and then they come here and they see similar things and they're, they buy into that. Right. You know, and I would say, you know, I definitely agree with that. You know, we do take a look and if we find some isolated weakness, we are going to hit home Mm -hmm. and really work hard at trying to strengthen that particular Mm -hmm. weakness, especially if they've just had surgery. Mm -hmm. We know we're not going to do full body movement patterns if they've just had surgery. Our goal is to get the motion or get isolated strength and muscle recruitment. But then again, it transitions a long time of their recovery to saying, okay, now we've got to turn this into improved movement patterns, improved function. Mm. And again, we do it in the clinic, you know, but I think your advantage is you get to just really focus in on that Mm -hmm. and you're getting, hopefully by the time they're done with the physical therapy, if that's the route that these people took, hopefully you're not having to worry about so much the isolated strength Mm -hmm. things. You can really hammer on the movement patterns and take them to that next level, take Mm -hmm. them to grad school. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is neat to see like, Kids who have surgery go through PT, come here and get strength training, and then they they see the process of it and they become invested in it, and they also want to learn it themselves. Sounds like that was the path that you took. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a couple of kids that you know I've worked with here. They're like, I, I know what field I want to go into. It's the field of exercise science, or it's the field of you know physical therapy, that kind of stuff. And it's it's neat to see because they see the value of that because as an athlete they went through it. And, you know, they're like, I want to do the same thing and give back to the, these kids who just like go through Because most of the kids, when they go through that injury, have no idea how it happened, why it happened, how to improve. And they just kind of do what they're told to do. Right. But when they see the entire process through, it's like need for them to realize, like, this is important. Yeah. And I think you have to also think about we're talking about all the people who have been injured. But we also need to think about the wellness component. Mm. So you might see someone coming in who has no pain Mm -hmm. but their movement pattern is poor or impaired and then that's that's just as important if not more important to address it 
Absolutely before it becomes a season-ending injury or potentially a career-ending injury or the inability for the general population to get back to a certain activity that they've always wanted to keep mm -hmm. up with. You know, so I think that's part of it as well. Right. And so part of that is, you know, I talk to our athletes all the time. I'm like, you know, if you think about it, nobody ever taught you how to run. They, one day somebody told you to run or you realize that you're able to run. So then you start running. But as you go through school and you sit most of the day and our human bodies are not designed to sit all day. Right. Um, but they don't teach you that your movement pattern start pattern starts to change because of the inactivity that you're kind of forced to be in. Um, but nobody really reteaches you how to move. Then so your body starts to adapt to what you're feeding your body. Um, and then you start to develop these pains and they start to wonder why. And well, it's because, and you start to explain this and like, oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to do an assessment on every single client that came through the door. And when I compiled, I had like over 100 clients of data of movement assessments that I did. Very common things. And then this is a list of three things. Weak glutes. And you probably see this too. Weak glutes, weak core, rounded shoulder. Interior pelvic tilt, because of that, everything else, those four components are almost given in any clients that I assessed. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, I've assessed runners who have foot pain, mm -hmm. and I can work my whole way up and find out they have no glute firing. Mm -hmm. You know, so then it's taking that step back, saying, well, if I'm going to run, every time I push off that foot, push off comes from the foot, but push off, push off should also come from that glute. Well, if mm -hmm. the glute's not doing the work, the foot overworks, and then it gets painful. You know, so again, I would say old school, we would have just addressed the pain in the foot. We would have looked at the symptoms of the foot. We would have treated the symptoms and tried to get you better. But if we really weren't trying to address what we felt maybe was causing the overload mm. to cause the foot to get hurt, we're not doing them any service. We're not service. doing them any service. We're not fixing the problem. We're just putting a Band-Aid on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so definitely. Yeah. So I, would, I just went recently th went through a course on like foot mechanics and stuff. It's so funny, like, I have a lot of clients that come, I'm flat-footed. I said, okay, well, let's find your arch. You know, like, uh, we can find your arch by just foot positioning and firing the right muscle groups. And, and it's like, oh, wow, this is so unique. And then, and then I, you know, I wasn't very good at it before, but I, I kind of feel like I can help clients now. And I just recently helped a client find her arch in a squat, which is really important um, because you – you know, it's and, and that's another thing a lot of clients are surprised by. Like, I want you to train barefoot, especially when you're squatting, deadlifting. I want to see your foot mechanics because that tells a lot. Especially if you're feeling pain, I want you to go barefoot so then I can see your foot mechanics and I can look at the entire chain. Um, but it's just one of those things, like, people don't realize those kind of things. So it's it's important for us to point those things out and say, like, this is what you need to work on. And and the, and the concept of like, okay, we improved your foot mechanics, so your knee pain went away. It's like, it's hard to connect, right? Because it's not, it's two different parts in their mind. Um, but when you look at the entire chain, it makes sense. Yeah, my famous line to my patients, if they come in with knee pain and I'm looking at their foot is, I've, I'm not crazy. I know you're here <laughs> for your knee. I know I'm looking at your foot, but there's a reason for it. Yeah. And, th and then again, just the explanation, but yeah. Yeah. And foot's like such a fascinating thing. I've recently started diving into it more and more. But if you think about it, it's the point of contact for us to the ground. And so if that's jacked up and that system is jacked up, more, li more than likely in your lifetime, you're going to experience knee or hip pain, correct? Yeah. And, you know, you can argue that everything happens when the foot hits the ground and works its way up. You can mm. also argue 
that if you don't have the control up high, every time your foot hits the ground, if you don't have that control up high, the forces work its way down, mm. you know, or somewhere there's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. So I've seen patients who come in and I pick on the knee with knee pain. You do a screen on them and the knee looks fine. They mm -hmm. hurt, but the knee itself looks fine. And then I will have to figure out or I'll look to see, well, do I feel there's something going on at the foot that's contributing? Do I feel it's something at the hip contributing or is it a combination from both ends? Mm-hmm type of thing very cool so. i also like notice especially with our athletes i always have them warm up with barefoot um i would say 80 to 90 percent of them have tight ankles super tight so the you know uh, the way i measure ankle mobility is i have them like you know foot onto the ground mm -hmm. right and then they push the knee forward towards mm -hmm. the pinky toe and i measure the distance between where the knee line will be yep. and the front of the toe and mm -hmm. see what the measurement is usually i've read about four inches yeah, is the ideal normal. right yeah. consider normal anything less than that is like you know you're at a risk of injury i'd say 80 to 90 percent of the athletes that i work with they have less than four inches mm -hmm. and so like these findings are like such a small detail, minor details, but for us as a professionals, it's like something that we look at and say, okay, like we need to improve that or we need to figure out why that's happening. Um, but it's, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah, and I think that's where it's, our profession is neat too. And I think you have to have the open mind as we're constantly learning and yeah. it's evolving and you should be going to courses or doing courses or mm. researching you know and learning never ends just because you're a certified trainer or i have my license to practice pt doesn't mean while well, i graduated i have my degree i'm just going to do what i've always done mm -hmm. you know and i think that's the key is the open-mindedness to learn mm -hmm. and then like we keep talking about the collaboration with whoever yes. you have the ability to collaborate with to make it the best for that client yeah again whether it's you or any other personal trainer the athletic trainers you know mm -hmm. anybody just to make sure that the client is getting what's best for them yeah because ultimately their goal is to get back to some sort of activity absolutely and again that activity can vary depending on the individual person but it's our jobs to help them accomplish that or in your case too, just keep them healthy mm -hmm. wellness avoid injury yeah and speaking of you know that, that collaboration piece like I've also learned like for us as professionals to have that network of people that we can refer out to is so important. Like I have you to refer out to for PT. I have Nicole Swallow who's right next door in body balance to refer out for like, you know, tissue restriction issues. Somebody if you comes in with, oh, this feels so tight or blah, blah, blah. I send them right over. It's, it's hard for them to get the appointment with her because she's so busy. But like I have these pockets of people that I can reference back and forth with or even just throw ideas say like i have this client that's feeling this continuously what do you think what can we do right brainstorm maybe figure yeah, out did you look at this look out. at that or whatever. yes yes yeah. and then it's so important because i look at like our clients as like they they need they're they're seeking help and i want to be able to help them but i also know there's a limit to what i can do as a, as a fitness professional i'm not a and all be all like that's not how it's supposed to be so more people who can take a look at it in the similar approach that we have um the better it is for the client right and i think that's also another area that's become neat is people are wanting this mm -hmm. you know back in the day you know people didn't really go to exercise per se as much mm. maybe um, and I think more and more people are buying into this and the fact that the health community is growing and there's more out there for collaboration i think has been a huge help for mm -hmm. everybody 
you know, I get videos from you later showing me some movement patterns yeah. of people that we know mutually. And it's like, wow, it's finally, lo- it's looking better. This yes. is great. You know, yes. because I, again, in the therapy clinic, I can go so far. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like, well, you know, I, I think, you know, what you need to do is just, you got to keep at it, keep at mm. it. It doesn't mean that you need me to do it so much anymore, right. but Hey, there's this guy down the road who could really help keep you on track and make sure that you're not doing it poorly or give you cues on how to change it a little bit so that you keep doing it better. Mm. And I think that's been a huge help. Cause like I said, historically we've not had that, mm. you know, you've had it somewhat in the schools with athletic trainers, but that doesn't cover all the people out there who want to be healthy and have good wellness i mean just like anything else you know like modern day people want quick fixes and these kind of movement issues it's not a quick fix it takes over time to retrain the motor pattern that you've been doing it for how many ever years and to recover from surgery and recover from injury takes time but as long as this client's sticking to the routine or whether it's the exercise that you assign to them as, you know, as after the PT session or it, it's training with us, over time they'll improve. And so that's the important factor is I think, you know, if they trust the process and they, they keep at it, they're going to get to where they want to be. And that's so important for them to know. And you're right. You just have to make sure that you know this isn't going to be a month after surgery right but these are what you expect because i think it's never black and white that it's always at this exact point right but if you can give them uh, even if it's just averages like okay i've seen how many acls or i've seen how many knee replacements or how many shoulder surgeries or throwing injuries Mm -hmm. okay you know it might take over time approximately x number of months and this is a you're in it for the long haul Mm -hmm. this is not an instant fix right you mentioned the getting something stretched out, getting something stronger. I mean, you can usually see pretty good improvements in maybe four to six weeks, Mm -hmm. but retraining your body to control itself, retraining bad habits by your body, you know, it could be six plus months. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, so, or whatever the case may be, you might have an average idea of the time frame, but Mm -hmm. that's the hard part. Right. You know, that's trying to break your body's bad habit of something and moving forward. I mean, it's like one of those things. I think people think when they get sent to PT, it's like, I just need to go see her in those sessions or him in those sessions, and then I'll get better. But really, like, I've gone through this PT process with you. You give homework. And if you don't do your homework, next time you go to see that physical therapist, nothing is going to really change. You have to keep at it. There's a homework for a reason, and you have to do those movement patterns on a daily basis to retrain Mm -hmm. and, and build that foundation back up again. And so, yeah. So, um, Becky, where can people find you as we're coming to the end of the time with together here? And uh, what um, do you have any advice to athletes or general population um, to try to avoid injury in the long run? Uh, I always like to end the podcast with the words of encouragement. Um, So if you have anything of those sorts, please go ahead. So I guess we've hit on some of it. I guess the biggest thing I would say is injury prevention can be key. So, you know, being healthy, doing good wellness, but also making sure that you're doing exercise for strength, but with good control is important. If you don't know how to do it on your own, seek help, get help to make sure that you're doing it well. The other part of it is if you do have an injury, it doesn't mean it's the end of the road. Um, if you do have to sur- have surgery, it's not the end of the road. It may be a short detour in mm. life of what you want to be able to get back to. 
Um, and you just have to follow the steps. You have to go through and do some of the basic stuff that might be in physical therapy, take the time for a period of time after to work on those movement patterns, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, that you can get better as long as you put in your end of the deal, yeah. whether it's through a therapy session, whether it's just in general through personal training or your own exercise wellness, um, but you don't wanna, you don't wanna give up. You know, you can get back to it. You just have to trust the process and do the right things and, and be patient, you know, and not think this is an instant fix. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Sounds good. So you're at Woodbine, Geisinger, Yep, that's the, well, we're actually now Geisinger and Compass Health. Okay. Uh, Health South just rebranded names. Um, so we're the same location, same people, just different name badges. Um, <laughs> but we're at the surgery center right across from Sheets off of Woodbine. And it's really hard to get an appointment with you, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope that, you know, a lot of listeners don't have to come see you. But if they do, I highly recommend you for um, any kind of physical therapy or any recovery from surgery and so. me too for after therapy oh thank you very much yeah. thank you for coming on the podcast today i'll see you guys next time